people don't casually leave narcissists. They right. run away with their hair on fire. Like, like, like it's survival. Mm-hmm. Get out and you're saving your soul, basically. Yes, that's totally what it was. Yeah. Hey, girls. Welcome to the Go Girl podcast because women are powerful. I'm your host, Ashley Caprice. Each episode is about self-love, self-care, and self-discovery. Tune in for affirmations, motivation, girl talk, and girl power. Now let's get it started. Go, girl. Hey, girls. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving weekend and was able to spend time with some family, some friends, had some fun, some good food, whatever that looked like for you. I know it looked different right? So hopefully you were able to get on Zoom, maybe have your dinner in a more creative way. Just got to think of it like that. It it was a little more creative this year. So I hope it was great for you. Coming back with another podcast, this one I'm so excited for because most of the women who follow me on social media at Go Girl Movement really resonate with topics dealing with relationships, especially relationships with a narcissist. I've been there, done that, released it, and now I'm trying to help other women heal and realize that it all starts with us, okay? It's all about having more self-love and having a healthier relationship with ourselves and others. So we're going to start today with an affirmation and then get into the episode, okay? So today's I am affirmation is... I am letting go of the past and making space for someone who deserves my love. Repeat this to yourself. I am letting go of the past and making space for someone who deserves my love. That's right, girl. Whether you left a relationship with a narcissist or currently leaving a relationship, trying to leave a relationship, whatever it is, the more that you are thinking about the past, the more that you are allowing someone who doesn't deserve to be in your life to stay in your life, the more time you're wasting and the more time you could be spending with yourself or with someone who really, really deserves you, who really wants you, who really wants to be a part of your life, who really values you, who really sees your worth, someone who really understands you and is willing to grow with you. So you got to let go of anyone, anything, any thought that doesn't bring happiness and joy into your life. Life is supposed to be happy and fun and stress-free, but sometimes we can stay in places a little too long and hurt ourselves. We keep breaking our own hearts by staying with certain people, hoping things would get better, hoping things would change, and it won't or it will, but a little too late. You know, too many years down the line, too many months down the line. And essentially, we're wasting time. So stop hurting yourself. All right. You deserve to be with someone who really, truly desires you and loves you. Now, I've been with a narcissist before. And uh, I think you all could hear like my smile and my voice, which is so weird and different because a few years ago, it was not this happy and cheery when I was dating the person. It's a smile like, yeah, I've been through that and I overcame it and I am happy now, right? I love myself so much more now and I learned a lot of lessons and I'm applying it when dating now and I'm still learning. 
I am still learning, child, and I'm still growing, uh, but I am in a much better space. So I want to share this episode with other women and hope that you find the strength to either leave or set some boundaries with your narcissistic partner. Uh, But I wanted to get an expert in here to have this conversation, okay? So I'm going to bring in Rebecca Zong. She is the author of the best-selling book, Negotiate Like You Matter, The Surefire Method to Step Up and Win, and Breaking Free, a step-by-step divorce guide for achieving emotional, physical, and spiritual freedom. She is continuing to serve through her incredible on-demand programs, such as Slay Your Negotiation with the Narcissist and Divorce Delete Alt Control Masterclasses. She's also the host of the Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. We're going to talk all about narcissism, okay? What is a narcissist? What's the difference between a covert and an overt narcissist? Can narcissists change? And how to heal after narcissistic abuse? We get into that and so much more. If anything resonates with you, please be sure to reach out to us at Rebecca Zong, that's Z-U-N-G on social media, or reach out to me at Go Girl Movement or at I am Ashley Caprice on social media. Now enjoy the show. Rebecca Zong, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with you. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you um, became kind of an expert on narcissism in general, because you are an attorney, correct? And you have a few books out. Tell me a little bit about that. So I... I had been dealing with narcissists for a long time, but not really realizing what they were. I mean, obviously, if you're in in the divorce space, and I've always been a high net worth divorce attorney, I've always had to deal with toxic personalities, difficult people. You know, I always say the normal, reasonable people don't usually end up getting a divorce. Um, But we used to think, oh, maybe they were bipolar or something like that. I mean, the word narcissist really didn't start popping up on a regular basis until a few years ago. Right. I used to joke that the next book I was going to write was going to be, my wife is crazy. My husband is controlling. Oh my goodness. That's (laughs) exactly what it is. Right. (laughs) They all used to say that, but now everybody's a narcissist instead. So I don't know, you know, why the word has um, really come up, but And then I ended up becoming the target of a couple of narcissists in my own life. And it it was then that I started reading about narcissism. Mm -hmm. I had been speaking about negotiation for years, years and years and years. I was even the keynote for the ABA speaking on negotiation, the American Bar Association. I wrote a book on it, but it wasn't until I realized that I had also been a, a victim of narcissists that I really started to put together that I could take the skills that I've learned about negotiation mm. and apply them to dealing with this very specific personality type, which is a narcissist, which is about one in 10 people. Wow. So it's That's a lot. so many, right. For each one of those people just narcissistically abuses five people in their lifetimes, it is like pretty mm. much all of us have been pretty a target, a victim. We've had to deal with toxic, difficult personalities, and um, we need tools. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to know what a narcissist is or uh, that they exist in the world. It's another whole thing to ha- actually have tools to be able to 
move the needle and not just be a doormat for them all the time. Well, so we'll get into the tools in a little bit, but let's define narcissism. What is a narcissist? Because like you said, we've been saying this word for a few years now. I know that I dealt with a textbook narcissist and I had to escape that relationship, Uh, right? So yes, so it it gets that way. And like you said, controlling person. So What is people, a narcissist? People don't, people don't casually leave narcissists. They right. run away with their hair on fire. Like, like, like it's survival. Mm-hmm. Get out and you're saving your soul, basically. Yes, that's totally what it was. Yeah. So a narcissist, you know, in some ways, all of us have what people identify with as narcissistic traits, even though mm-hmm. they're not narcissistic traits. We all want to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. That's part of the human experience. That's why I called my book, Negotiate Like You Matter. That's why um, I offered a methodology using the word matter, M-A-T-T-E-R, each stands for something. And, and I did that because we all want that. If you are a human being living on this planet, we all want to be seen. We all want to know that we matter. Right. But that does not make us a narcissist. That just makes us human. It's the, it's the all the way to the end of the spectrum pathological state of the only thing that matters is that you're seen at the expense mm. of anybody else. And, and in a manner that is hurtful to others, that is traumatic to others because they ha- they so desperately want to feel seen. It is the only way that they feel that they have any value. It's the only way they feel they exist. And to the detriment of others. And they, because of that, they have no ability to have any sympathy, compassion, empathy, care, or, or feeling for mm-hmm. anybody but themselves. So that's, that's the true, true narcissist. And is this something learned or is this something where I feel like sometimes people might not have uh, received so much love as a child. So then they look for love in all the wrong places or try to get love by hurting others. It's, it's very weird. Uh, Can you break that down? Like is narcissism something learned or where does it even come from? Are you born with it pretty much? You're not born with it. It is something that happens to you as a child. It's really a form of arrested development in a lot of ways because you just kind of got stuck in that toddler stage. And it's something that happened to them as a child where they didn't feel loved, where they were traumatized in some way. It could be just that they were neglected, ignored. It could be that they were overindulged. I've heard, I've read stuff about that um, in psychological magazines. So they they somehow drew the conclusion that they weren't loved that they weren't lovable that there's something wrong mm-hmm. and and that you know in a lot of ways okay that happens to all of us but something broke inside of them where they drew the conclusion that in order to survive in this world, it's got to be me against everybody else and I need to survive. And and it's a very, it's like the scarcity mentality at the the most extreme, you know, even the littlest of things you cannot give to somebody else because it, it takes away from you. Wow. It's really scary. And I know you mentioned that uh, you wish you could write a book called 
uh, what is it? Women are crazy and men are oh, controlling. No, I, used to, I used to joke that because in my law practice, I was going to joke that my next book was going to be, my wife is crazy. My husband is controlling right? because that's what they used to all say, but they really all say that their spouse is a narcissist now. It's not, they don't really say that as much. I mean, they might use the word controlling. Like a woman might say, oh, my husband's controlling, but she'll say, and he's definitely a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the, the husbands now. I mean, it's just kind of become the universal word. So if we're saying that, does that mean that most men are narcissists? And why oh, is definitely that? Definitely not. Definitely not. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I two that so. I've had to deal with were women. Mm. I think women tend to be more covert narcissists. That's just my, I've not seen any actual data on that or anything like that. But I just feel like a lot of women tend to be covert narcissists because like if a woman is a narcissist, she's probably a covert narcissist because women are conditioned not to be bragging and Mm -hmm. boastful and say, I'm the best and I'm number one and all of that kind of thing. Whereas men can kind of get away with that a little bit more. Women tend to be a little bit more low key under the radar I think that that makes them way worse, Mm. way harder to deal with because to the rest of the world, and this is definitely the case with the two I had to deal with, to the rest of the world, they seem like the kindest, most wonderful people, you know, so nice Mm. and it makes it easy if that person goes to their flying monkey and says, I've been victimized by this person. This, you know, I've been wronged. It's not fair. And meanwhile, you, that flying monkey has no idea about the toxic, passive aggressive, horrible things that that person is, has been Mm -hmm. doing to them under the radar behind closed doors and everything yes yeah exactly exactly and so it makes it so much worse for the victim because the victim feels very isolated very alone you know it's hard to bring up something to anyone else about what you've been dealing with because Mm -hmm. you're thinking no one's going to believe you um, that you're just the bad one right because they painted that picture of you because they painted that picture And of themselves as being like the most wonderful, caring, gentle, you know, they often paint themselves as being super spiritual or religious. That's so scary because so many people, especially now that we're in this like wellness space and everyone is about peace and self-care and everything. And I know some people throw out some buzzwords, but you really have to watch their actions because uh, you can say that you're spiritual and, you know, sight some scriptures and whatnot, but like, what are your actions really saying? And, and you can still behave in a certain way and be giving and whatnot, but is there an ulterior motive with that? You know, like some people would just do something for the praise or for the likes on social media or to appear like a good person. So that's really scary that some people might want to outside look like an amazing person, but behind closed doors is totally different. Now, I did a lot of research on narcissism after leaving my um, relationship with the narcissist. So I know some certain keywords, but for the audience who doesn't know, what is a flying monkey? Oh, yeah. It's just that whoever they line up to 
kind of try to get on their side to have them, and especially if they can line them up against you so that either you think that the flying monkey is against you, or at the very least that the flying monkey is for the narcissist. And, and with that narcissist and thinks that narcissist is a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you are going to be on the outside and, and the narcissist wants you to feel that way. They want you to feel ganged up on it's the, you know, they are bullies at heart. And so they want you to feel like I, I have a video on my YouTube channel called narcissist favorite sayings. Mm-hmm. And I just put it out a couple months ago and it already has like, I don't know, 350,000 views or wow. something like that. And um, it's because it's resonating so much with people. And it's like, they say things like everyone else thinks that blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And no one else thinks the way you think. Yes. You know? Oh my goodness. Yes. That's bringing me back to certain uh, phrases that I heard while in the it's relationship. like PTSD, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, 99.9% of women would say this and that and would rather do this and that, and, but you, not you. And I'm like, where did you get this sample yeah. from? What are you talking about? You want you <laughs> How to did you do this study? You're like, you're the only one who's right. the crazy one. Yeah. So they talk in absolutes like that. So they get all of these people lined up. And especially if they can get somebody close to you to be mm-hmm. on their side, that is like gold, diamond, platinum, whatever, uh, fantastic win for them. So they, they specifically target people around you mm-hmm. that they think will buy into their, their, story. their story. And what yeah. is the difference between a covert narcissist and overt narcissist. Yeah. So the overt narcissist is the one, you know, that everybody thinks of as a narcissist. They're more your, your garden variety. Uh, you know, I'm the best. Everybody else sucks. Everyone else is losers. Kind of mm-hmm. Trump-like, regardless of whether or not you think that he's a great president or whatever. I mean, he has narcissistic traits for sure. And so somebody like that, that's like, you know, this is the best and, and I know what I'm talking about and nobody else does. And, and they, they tend to be really, really in your face about it. Um, and, and so that was the only kind of narcissist that I ever had even known of or heard of. And it wasn't until I had been speaking to somebody about one of the narcissists in my life. And that person pointed out to me, oh, that person is a covert narcissist with cluster B tendencies and and things like that and Mm -hmm. use words like that. And I was like, oh no, I think that she's really insecure, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that she's a narcissist. Like that never even crossed my mind right? because of the person being so, you know, sweet and everybody thinks the world is whatever. I mean, but I knew that they were doing things to us, but I just thought that this person was really insecure or didn't like certain things. I don't know. I wasn't really sure what was going on, but once I started reading about the covert passive aggressive narcissist, mm. uh, which the book by Debbie Mirza is the one that I had read, which is called the covert passive aggressive narcissist, I realized, oh yeah, 
this is a, a, a narcissist. Right. And, and, and by the way, I have another one in my life that's also a narcissist, <laughs> which I didn't even realize. So, yeah. yeah. So they're the much more like what I was saying earlier, like they're under the radar. Everybody thinks they're nice. They come right. across sometimes even downtrodden. They might even tell you that they have issues with depression. Mm. You know, they're the victim a lot of times. Life isn't fair. They haven't gotten what they deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the story a lot of times more with coverts. So I know that you mentioned there are like one in 10 people are narcissists pretty much. So they're all around us. They're at our jobs. They're in our family. We might be in relationships with them. How the heck do we deal with these people if they're just yeah. around? Yeah. Well, since I've had to deal with it myself, I can tell you, and one of ours is an extended family member, so it's been, you know, not an easy path. I mean, it's a painful thing to choose to have to do, and especially if you are an empathic person, you're a caring person, you're a compassionate person, you don't want to hurt anybody, um, and that's, you know, kind of how how it was for me, and I always wanted, you know, things to work out nicely, and I feel like, if I can just be nice enough, if I can just be kind enough, I can kind of keep this smooth. I can keep it good. Mm -hmm. Um, Narcissists can't do that. They're just, they cannot help themselves. They feel like they have to constantly manipulate situations and people. So you just have to put in place. If you can't go no contact, which is my number one choice. And it's like cutting off all contact from the person. All contact. And in my case with one of the narcissists, I had to cut off and go no contact, not just with that person, but with all of that person's flying monkeys as well, Mm. just to protect myself and be able to have clean air in my world and not negative energy. And then the other one that I had to deal with was a, is a family member. And that one, you know, we've just had to have really strict boundaries, you know, you can't, think that you can just do the right thing by that person and um, be kind in certain ways. They just take advantage of it. They they just don't know anything other than manipulating mm. and uh, underhandedness. They do not like no at all. They just can't. They cannot help themselves. Yeah. So it's sort of like an addict or something, you know, they are just addicted to that behavior, even mm-hmm. if it's like they're undoing, even if it's, it leads to consequences that they don't want, right. they just can't help themselves. The, the good thing about narcissists in a lot of ways is that they are very simple to understand. They're actually the simplest personality type to understand on the planet. They just want one thing, that yeah. supply, that's it. And they become very predictable once you start They're dealing with them. Very predictable. You're like, okay, there's a pattern with you. <laughs> I'm starting you know, to get this cycle. It's interesting because I do have a private Facebook group, which I invite all of your listeners to join. It's called Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. And I actually just started that group in June. And we now have over 15,000 members in it. Awesome. And you know, the beautiful thing for people in that group is that they're realizing that they 
uh, aren't alone, that mm-hmm. the people that they've been dealing with are very predictable. They're very simple. You know, you and I, as normal, reasonable people, we have lots of things that motivate us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we there's lots of things that interest us. They don't have that. They're really, really, really predictable. Right. While they are the worst to deal with as far as when you're in it, it's like survival war. You feel like you're drowning. Mm -hmm. But once you realize that they're very simple to understand and you can shift that dynamic, there can be that power switch they actually shrink back. I mean, they're the worst right before they're ready to give up. Mm-hmm. They, they have massive, you know, tantrums and rages and, mm-hmm. uh, but they will eventually give up if they don't think that they're getting the supply source from you that, that they want. And does giving up mean that they'll leave you alone and just go to someone else to get supply? Because in my experience and from experience um, that I've heard with other people, that trying to place boundaries or go non no contact or um, really trying to shift that power, it doesn't really work. It's not easy. It is a rage that happens. Yeah. So then yeah. eventually, oh, yeah. yes, you will have to go no contact, block yeah. everywhere and block everything. move yeah. to a different city sometimes and, you know, go on with your life. So what does that mean when you say that pretty much, or are you saying that pretty much they'd have to go to someone else and they'll eventually leave you alone. Yeah. I kind of liken it to, you know, people years ago used to uh, collect jams and jars of vegetables and, you know, have like this uh, thing for the winter, like where they would have like their, their supply for the winter. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what narcissists do. They kind of collect their forms of supply from Mm -hmm. all the people that they have ever known And if they think that there's any, you know, amount of supply that they can glean from that person, even if it's scraping the bottom of the jar and there's like a little bit of Nutella left in there or something, (laughs) they will come back to get it. So if there's any supply left to be had from that person, they're not going to let them go. But if there's no supply source left, like there's that jar is empty. There's mm-hmm. nothing more there to be had or the can is, is empty and it's rusted and there it's, you know, gone and it needs to be in the junkyard now, then there's nothing more they can get from there. Then they will go on to find it somewhere else. They are literally predators. You know, you just think of it as like a, a, a lion on the Serengeti or something. If there's no more food to be gotten from the carcass of that elk, they will move on to the mm. next one. And Good it's a, a horrible way to think about it, but it, that is the only way you can think about it. They, they are supply whores. They'll go back to wherever they think they can get any more supply. Now, you mentioned the empath and very compassionate people and people who see the good in others. Are narcissists normally attracted to a certain type? And I know that some people think, oh, what's wrong with me? Why did you, because it's hardest to forgive ourselves in the end. Uh, what's wrong with me? Why did I attract that person? Uh, what did they want from me? You know, so is there a certain person that they are attracted to? 
Yeah. That person that's going to give them the most amount of supply. And so I, I, I remind people all the time, they didn't pick you out because you had no value. They picked you because you had so much value. And even though they do this Bengali switch on your brain and make you think you have no value and and try to make you feel like they're the ones that have power in the relationship, what they're really getting off on is the fact that they're having power over someone that they think has so much supply, mm. that they think has so much value. That's why they picked you in the first place. They love that. They pick the people who have lots of compassion, a big heart, someone who can you know, feel sorry for them and give them all this adulation, uh, but also someone who maybe has lots of friends that's really popular, is um, has a wonderful mm -hmm. family, status, right. prestige. You know, in business, they'll pick somebody who has uh, a lot of visibility or great clients or is really successful, who's going to be also willing to do all the work because narcissists love to pick people who are going to be willing to do everything. So in, in a business relationship, you end up doing 95% of the work at home. You end up doing everything and then they devalue you. It's not enough. You feel like, why aren't you recognizing me? Why aren't you appreciating me for all the things that I'm doing for you? And then as the empath, we do more and more and more and more right. thinking that they're going to finally see it, finally appreciate. They don't. It's just still never enough. It's like, it's like the base level of uh, what you have to do to be in their presence. You know, that's it. Like if you weren't doing all of that, then you would have no value to be in their presence at mm. all. It's draining. Yeah. It's yeah. Totally and, it, and if you want anything out of them, then uh, it's like, I'll do this little thing for you, but it's definitely a pound of flesh. Uh, and, you know, you definitely, you know, better be giving a million fold back. And even then they resent having to do something for you. Or they, and then they'll keep reminding you of that thing they oh, did yeah. for you yes, <laughs> when it's all exactly. said and done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. So if you're in this relationship, pretty much just get out. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, how can they get out? How can they get out safely uh, if they are in a relationship with a narcissist? I understand to set boundaries with people that you have to work with that you are in, uh, that's in your family. But if you need to leave this relationship, how do you safely get away from a narcissist? Yeah, well, and I, I call it my slay method, okay. which is develop super strong strategies. So don't try to just leave, even though you feel like running away because your hair's on fire and you're like getting out of a burning building. Um, you do have to have a strategy. You do have to have a plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's S. The L is create super strong leverage, invis invincible leverage. A is anticipate what they're going to do and be two steps ahead of them. Yep. And, and Y is focus on you, yourself, your case, your position. Uh, and that's how you slay the narcissist. Create your new life and your new beginning and your new future. Yes. And that's how you slay. And that's how you turn it attention and power back onto yourself. You know, I like the right. Y at the end because that's teaching you, um, 
self-love a little more. Take care of yourself and stop feeling like you have to prove yourself to someone for their love, for that little bit of love that they're giving, that they make seem like they're giving so much. But then when you, after the relationship, when you think about it, you're like, I didn't get anything from this. No, (laughs) exactly. It's crazy. It's so crazy and scary out there. So a big question that a lot of people ask, and I wonder if we'll agree on this, can narcissists change? You know, I've had conflicting. I've asked a couple of psychologists and psychiatrists about that. Um, but most of the ones that I've spoken to have said they cannot. I th- you know, to do that, they'd have to have self-reflection. Right. They'd, I mean, I think that maybe a few of them have been able to be a little bit rehabilitated. But all I'm saying to people out there is don't hold out hope for that. Really, it's not the thing that you want to sit and wait for in your life because it's probably not going to happen. So go find somebody who's not a narcissist to be Mm -hmm. in your life. What I have seen more so than an actual change is that they can be taught what it looks like to care. Mm. You know, okay, if I'm supposed to care about this person and they're sick, a person who cares would ask them how they're feeling. Mm. That is entirely different than somebody who actually cares. Cares, right. There's a huge difference. Wow. And do you want to be with the person who's just going through the motions and pretending? Or do you want to be with somebody who actually cares if you're sick? <laughs> you wow. Know? Wow. And I want to speak on that about if they can change. I honestly, I guess because the way my faith is set up (laughs) and I believe in God. So I feel like he has control and he can change anyone who truly wants to change. But like you said, it's first with self-reflection. They have to understand that, okay, I have a problem or I've been treating people wrong and, you know, how can I, you know, be a better person? They have to want that for themselves. They have to see that they have a problem. And that's the thing with narcissists. A lot of times they're like, there's nothing wrong with me. It's everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. They're not going to admit that. So yeah, I think it, it, obviously it's always possible, you know, as long as they're alive, I guess it's possible, but don't hold out hope for that. Don't waste 30 years of your life in a marriage being, you know, abused, 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 trauma, drama, chaos, go find somebody else or go, go live your life. I, I mean, I used to say it's better to be alone and, yeah. and live a life with purpose, you know, just be with your extended family or your friends or whatever, then deal with that and be constantly degraded on a regular basis. That there's no, that's not a way to live a life. It's not healthy. And life is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable, not stressed out all of the time. Right. What is that cycle of a relationship with the narcissist? Because I think some people do, they don't leave or they don't want to go because they think about all of the good times. Or as soon as they're thinking about leaving, the narcissist will do or say something nice that'll make them yeah. be like, see, this is why I love him. Yeah, so yeah. what, what does that like, cycle look like? Yeah, it feels like it's never all bad, right? Mm-hmm. But with the narcissist, it's love bomb to value discard. Yeah. Um, those are the three phases of their relationship. 
They can be, but the love bomb is something that they use to manipulate you and get you back into their web of control. So it's not something that they actually feel. It's something that they use to manipulate you. Mm. They feel that you're starting to pull away. You know, you're starting to think that they're not a good person. You're starting to think that uh, maybe you want to leave or something like that. That's when they'll start future faking. You know, oh, it's going to be better from here on out. I promise I will help you with the chores around the house. I will never speak to this other person again. I'll never again make you feel like you're not special to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever they need to say in that moment. Or, or they'll start love bombing you again. You know that I think you're the most beautiful woman in the world. You know that I couldn't live without you, that we are meant to be together, that we are soulmates or whatever they need to say. And then, you know, within a week or two, or maybe if it's, it's maybe even later on that day or whatever, they're back to being who they are because oh. they've got you back where they want you to be. So now they don't have to pretend anymore. So the PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just oh, got yeah. it again. Like, oh my goodness, I remember those days. And, be, and early in the day, as I love you, I see a future, I want to marry you, have children. By the end of the night, we're arguing. I'm like, what is going on? Like, every yeah. day for a minute, yeah. I have to get out of this. <laughs> exactly. And then what happens is, and there's actually a study by a, a psychologist out of Stanford named Robert Zapolsky, who did a study on monkeys' brains where if monkeys got rewarded every single time mm. they did something, nothing happened in their brains. But if they only got rewarded intermittently, like they didn't know when they were going to get rewarded, the anticipation of being rewarded mm. caused the dopamine levels in their brains to rise to the level of cocaine. So we actually do get addicted and, and trauma bonded to this person. And that's why it feels so hard mm. to get out of the relationship. Wow. Woo. Okay. So that's love bombing. You mentioned devalue. How, how, what are some ways that they would devalue you? Oh, I mean, we don't have enough time today to get into all of that, but basically <laughs> it's anything. I mean, it's passive aggressive stuff like, you know, are you sure you really want to, you know, eat that? You're looking a little bit thicker in the middle. I just, you know, I'm just worried about your health. Because they, they do it where it seems like they care. Right. But they're, but you're being devalued in, right. in that moment. Thanks for, you know, mopping the floor. I, I just went behind you and fixed it because you mm. missed a bunch of spots, mm -hmm. you know, like things like that. Like just little like drip, drip, drip devalue, or it could just, it could be, you know, over like, you know, um, you're not very good at this. Uh, you know how you suck at math or it can be devaluing in other ways, like promising to do something or promising to feel, you know, we're going to get married and some, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then that never comes up and it never materializes. You feel devalued that way. I mean, my goodness, there's just it, yeah. it's so many different things. I mean, it could be they went to the store, you asked them to pick up certain things for you. They get home, your stuff isn't there, you know, where you just constantly feel like you have no value uh, to them. And what is the discard? 
What is that? So the discard is can either be from you or from them. Mm -hmm. But the discard phase sometimes is like where they're actually discarding you, but they're still trying to get supply out of you. And that can be really, really confusing too. Yeah. Um, because they they don't they act like they don't want you around anymore, but yet they're making your life miserable in the divorce or breakup process, you know? Or it could be you discarding them. But in the discard phase, that's when you really start to see the birth of the smear campaign. And it could have happened, like, even if they're kind of anticipating that the discard is going to be happening. I mean, it could be starting months or even years prior to you actually breaking up, Mm. you know, where they're saying things to a neighbor like... um, Oh, I am so concerned about her. She had too much to drink again last Mm -hmm. night. And I don't know, you know, and then like when the divorce actually happens, well, I told you she was an alcoholic, things like that. That's when you start to really see the flying monkeys. And that's when they really, really ramp up their campaign of denigration, their you know, they they want to burn the bridges before you do. They want to make sure that you go down, that everybody thinks they're the wonderful ones, that you're mm-hmm. the one that's the bad one. And so that's when they just are all at war and, you know, the mission is to destroy you. Goodness gracious. And that's, that sucks because it's like you're a person who says, oh, you love me, but you're here to, like, why try to destroy me? <laughs> you know, that's the confusing part with it all i believe is because it's you have to go down before you take them down Mm. it's you or them in their world yeah and then maybe because we could see the real them and they don't want other people to know like how they really are yeah 100 absolutely wow goodness gracious rebecca you shared so much information today i I thank you and i so appreciate you i know you mentioned with your book uh negotiate like you matter the m-a-t-t-e-r is an acronym for something what does it stand for i'm interested to know my value is defined by me Mm -hmm. um anticipate what the other side's going to do i'm I'm trying to remember because i haven't even like looked at my book in in like a year now okay Uh, but it's uh, tackle hard issues second dress to a t and um create rapport um and then keep your emotions out of it Mm. and record all agreements in writing Ooh-wee, that's a lot. And that's good, good, good information. You have so much to share. Uh, Let people know how they can follow you on your social media because you share videos and tidbits and quotes and everything is very, very valuable, useful information. Yes, but I want to make sure that I also say that I have a free gift for your listeners, which is my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet. It's an ebook. It. It's like 15 pages. It's, um, you can just get it at winmynegotiation.com, just W-I-N, mynegotiation.com. And they can grab that there. YouTube is just youtube.com forward slash Rebecca Zung, which is R-E-B-E-C-C-A-Z-U-N-G. My podcast is Negotiate Your Best Life. Your best life yeah. Negotiate Your Best Life. And that's everywhere that podcasts are. Um, my website is RebeccaZung.com. I am on Instagram at RebeccaZung, Facebook, Facebook.com, RebeccaZung. You can like me on Facebook. Also join my free private Facebook group, 
which is narcissist negotiators with Rebecca Zung. So lots of ways to um, get access to, I have so many free resources as well for those of you who are out there struggling and don't have the financial ability to you know, hire a lawyer or, or even buy a program or anything like that. There's tons of free resources out there. That's good to know, girls. I hope you're listening and really take down that information. I do want to ask one more question before we get out of here. We talk so much about narcissism, the narcissist, and being in that relationship with these people. But after it's all done, you left, you have no contact. What is just a few tools on how to heal after narcissistic abuse? The biggest one for me was just learning how to pivot my brain and my mind because you really are having to reprogram your brain and create new neuronal patterns. Mm -hmm. So when I would find myself kind of in that toxic pattern, that vortex of negativity, thinking about that situation or that person, I would um, just recognize that and pivot my brain because Mm -hmm. I realized I can't be in in that mode and also in creation mode at the same time. Your brain can only think about one thing at a time. So I just really taught myself how to pivot. And one of the best things that I did was when I was like in downtime where my brain had a chance to be like thinking about other stuff, bad stuff, you know, like when I was brushing my teeth or putting on makeup or washing dishes or walking the dog, you know, anytime like that, that's when your brain starts to go off on a thing. That's when I would be listening to something that would be helpful for me, whether it's Dr. Joe Dispenza or Abraham Hicks or, you know, whoever, floats your boat, Tony Robbins mm-hmm. or whoever. Some type of motivation. Some, some kind of something that's going to get you into thinking about something other than than that. Okay. I like that. I like that, yeah. ladies. Because everything I, I, I mentioned before, whatever you consume consumes you. So be mindful of the images that you're you're seeing, that you're watching, things that you're listening to, and really take care of your mind. That's where it starts because they try to break you mentally before they break you anywhere else. Rebecca, thank you so much. I just want to say go girl to you for uh, giving so much great information to the listeners today regarding narcissism. I thank you and I appreciate you. And thank you so much for being a part of the Go Girl podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Go Girl podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Connect with me on social media at Go Girl Movement or subscribe to the blog at www.gogirlmovement.org. By the way, have you purchased your copy of the Go Girl Guidebook, a woman's interactive guide to self-love? Ten chapters full of ways to love yourself better. It's available right now on Amazon. Thank you for your support. I love you and I'll talk to you next time. Go Girl! Go Girl!